dare great things for Christ. Christ calls us to dare great things. In the marketplace, as well as in the mission field, there has never been a time like the present for the spirit of the Catholic entrepreneur. Now is the time for men and women of great courage and great vision to engage our church and our culture. Now is the time to dare great things. And here is your host as we dare great things, Father Nathan Cromley, the president and founder of the St. John Institute. After a lifetime of leadership, effort, struggle, all of us want to leave a legacy behind that will be remembered. When it's all said and done, what will your life leave behind? These are the questions that all of us face. King David was no different. And before he died, he spoke to his son Solomon, his successor on the throne, and he gave him his legacy. By looking at it, we can get a better glimpse of our own. Hi, everybody. I'm so glad to, that you took time to be with God. And we're going to conclude this retreat. We've been here for a, a while now studying just some of the elements, the themes of the life of King David to inspire us in our own action as leaders for Christ. And I just want to finish this little retreat by, you know, of course saying, wouldn't it be great to be able to stay longer here in this beautiful aspect of the Word of God, and just listening to God tell us this story of this great leader's life. Because King David inspires us, and he instructs us through his words and also just through his example, even, even in his failings. And I think that for all of us, it's, it, how wonderful to think that when God wanted to teach this world about himself, and about his only begotten son, that he would use a leader to do it. Someone who stepped up when everyone else was running away and accepted the duties and the obligations that were incumbent upon him as the political authority over God's kingdom. I mean, when Jesus himself would come into this world, he would come as the son of David to continue the Davidic dynasty, so to speak, obviously in a whole new way by, by rendering it in the end his own kingdom, which has a spiritual connotation, and yet building on this family legacy that David left behind him. And, and I think about that because sometimes I think we think too little of ourselves. And we think that just the, the fact that we are you know, cutting edge, trying to move forward, struggling in the many different ways that we can struggle just on a daily basis. And we kind of say, is there any real point to that anyway? You know, like maybe, maybe it's all fruitless. There's no real, there's no real mission. I think it's a temptation in the leader to kind of, of almost like a, an over-exaggerated sense of humility. Because in fact, when Jesus came into the world, the humblest man of all time, he came into the world as its king. The humblest man of all time, you know, who worked with manual labor, son of Joseph, living in Nazareth, living in, in, in a very simple lifestyle. But he engaged his culture with authority. He confronted corruption straight on. 
he was following in the footsteps of St. John the Baptist, you know, and he taught us as if he was indeed what he is, the word of God. He didn't hide himself in the background. He had gifts. Of course, I mean, it's, it's an exaggeration. The Lord had gifts. The Lord is infinitely, you know, endowed with every gift and blessing, and he didn't hold it back. Instead, he poured it forth onto the face of the earth. And he summons us to do the same. I think of St. Paul. What an amazingly gifted man this was. And Jesus wanted every bit of it. Paul will say in 2 Timothy, I am poured out like a libation, you know, like a sacrificial offering. My life has been poured out you know, in, in, in following Jesus Christ. Sam and Peter, all of his gifts of management and of the business sense that he had to run a thriving, you know, a business. And then is then put to service of the church where he has to navigate the waters that are constantly changing with little limited resources and with challenges that are abounding. And he does. Well, it's the same for you. You know, think of all of the, the talents that you have that have brought you to where you are right now in your life, your education, your, your, the, the financial advantages that came from your families, the opportunities that you seized, the great mentors that you had in your early bosses, the ways that your companies have in, invested in you to teach you the different forms of leadership that you would need, etc. Well, do you think that that doesn't have the same value? Do you think that our Lord is not going to use that for his kingdom? I think a lot of us do. A lot of us are afraid to really see our lives like God sees them. Because when God sees them, he sees you. He looks at you and he says, you are my instrument. Right? That's quite a compliment. You know, we got to look back to God and say, who am I to be your instrument? I mean, who, who am I that you would use me? Right? And the answer would come back, well, you are nothing. <laughs> but you are at the same time the fruit of my mercy. I have chosen to flow through you, to bring my knowledge to your classrooms, to bring my healing to your hospital rooms, to bring my beauty to your flower farms, right? I have chosen you for this. And yes, you are not worthy of it, but that's really not the question. The question is, will you say yes to my response, my invitation? Will you respond by giving everything that you have after I've given you everything that I have? Right? Will you rise to meet that mission? And when we do, well, then our leadership becomes a place that transcends even itself. Uh, it's a gift that God gives to this world. And King David was in the same way. So I want to open the scriptures with us. Let's begin with a prayer. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Come, O Holy Spirit, Father of the poor, Illumine the hearts of thy faithful and enkindle in them the fire of thy love. Send forth thy spirit and they shall be created and thou shalt renew the face of the earth. Let us pray. O God, who didst instruct the hearts of thy faithful by the light of the Holy Spirit, grant us in the same spirit to be truly wise and ever to rejoice in his consolation. Through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. John, pray for us. 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, turn your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 2 with me. 1 Kings chapter 2, which is the last words of David to Solomon, and then his burial. It's in a, a very epic moment of Scripture because of what King David represented for us. And this is an epic moment of a man's life. The last things that he says, his instructions to his son Solomon. When you think about everything that David had gone through, these words are even more poignant. Solomon's brother, Absalom, had tried to kill his father, David, and forced him to flee to save his life. He had betrayal from his closest people underneath him. He was plagued by people who didn't believe in him, didn't believe in his power, who would end up, you know, undercutting him. And this is all, of course, prophesied by Nathan the prophet as a punishment for his own sins. David rose to a height unparalleled in the whole Old Testament, and he fell from that height with Bathsheba. And his house then was, he was forgiven, but as Nathan the prophet said, on the one hand, your house will never end, and on the other hand, the sword will never depart from it. And David had to carry the cross, therefore, for the rest of his life of having a family that was dysfunctional. And more than dysfunctional was just downright divisive. He had 20 sons and one daughter, not to mention those that came from the concubines. 20 sons. Imagine governing that, <laughs> you know, and then, and then being a king and them all fighting over your money and over your prestige and then using that. And how do you, you know, and that's as he's doing all these battles and working with all the things that are happening in the kingdom, David was just too busy to assume the real role that he needed to as father. And he paid the consequence for it. And at the end of his life, he's facing his son, Solomon, whom he has chosen to be king in a terrible situation. I don't know if you guys remember this or not from the Old Testament, but one of David's other son had actually set himself up to be king. Can you believe it? So not only did Absalom try to take the throne until he came to his ultimate death, but then at the same time, you've got Adonijah who exalts himself and said he's going to be king. And he sacrificed sheep and oxen, etc. Nathan the prophet steps in, David's friend, and saves him again and says, I thought it was supposed to be Solomon, who was the king, then why is Adonijah doing this? That means that under David, you had at least two of his 20 sons who were directly rebelling against their father's will. And this is as he's laying on his deathbed, seizing his throne, caring more about his throne than caring about their old man who's dying alone in his bed, right? I mean, that was a horrible situation. And yet that too speaks to us because it's exactly at that moment of you would look at it and say this is a kind of defeat that David gives some of his most poignant words and he gives them to his son Solomon. And in these words, you see the same spirit bequeathed that made him rise to his greatness now being given to his son Solomon. Father Nathan is producing an ongoing source of videos to form, unite, and inspire you and your family. Go to eagleeyeministries.org. That's E-A-G-L-E-E-Y-E ministries.org and subscribe to Eagle Eye Pro. Subscribe today. So if we turn together to 1 Kings chapter 2, we can start to glimpse this passage of the father to the son, of the king elder to the king junior. 
And the very first line just, you know, really, it strikes us to the hearts. This is verse 1. When David's time to die drew near, he commanded Solomon, his son, saying, I am about to go the way of all the earth. Be strong and show yourself a man and keep the charge of the Lord your God, walking in his ways and keeping his statutes, his commandments, his rules, and his testimonies, as is written in the law of Moses, that you may prosper in all that you do and wherever you turn, that the Lord may establish his word that he spoke concerning to me, saying, if your sons pay close, pay close attention to their way, to walk before me in faithfulness with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. All right, it's quite a sentence. His commandment to Solomon be strong and show yourself a man. Now, when you look at the Old Testament, that commandment to be strong, right, is actually a verb in Hebrew, chazak. It's kind of something else, chazak. And, and that chazak is, is a commandment that's repeated over and over again. It's repeated to Joshua when he goes into the promised land. It's repeated by Moses to the people to be strong. It's repeated here, and it's repeated to us. I mean, you can think of the be not afraid of Christ, and it finds its, its perfection in this kind of summons. Be strong. Be strong. Now, right away, you can kind of think like, is, you know, only a leader would turn to his son and say to him, his last words to him, be strong. Right? Because today we kind of think, I mean, like leadership is about all kinds of different things. But he, when, you, when you've gone through it and you've gotten knocked down by life and had to get up again, when you've been pushed around and had to fight your way through, when your enemies have tried to kill you and your sons have rebelled against you, 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 you realize that the number one attribute of success is just sheer determination and grit and the willingness inside of us to pay the price that we need to pay in order to be successful and find the success that we need. There's a strength that's so required if you're going to try to buck the tide of ease and comfort and make your way where you know it needs to go. And so it's no wonder that he would give that as his gift to his son Solomon, his last words to him. It also shows us that the, the difficulty and the challenge that we meet in our life is not necessarily a bad thing. It's not necessarily a sign that we're in the wrong place. I know that a lot of people struggle with that. They, when we come across the bad times and we, we, we get hit with the various challenges of our life, the temptation is always to sit back and to say, it's my fault. I shouldn't be having this struggle. And yet here it's really clear, you know, for, for, for David, Solomon, you're going to struggle. You're going to be caught in situations that you'd rather not be in. It is going to be hard for you. And that's why the thing I'm telling you as your father is that you need to get ready for that. You need to be strong. And I, I just think it's amazing because when I look at the, the teachings of our Lord, isn't this what he told his apostles also? Any of you who would not accept his cross, pick up his cross and follow me, you know, is not worthy of me. 
If you, you, picking up your cross and following him every day of your life, that's what it means to follow Jesus. It means to be willing to suffer and be willing to go the extra mile to be faithful to him. I think another interesting thing to note about his, the legacy that he leaves Solomon with is that the strength that he's calling for is a strength to stay faithful to God. So again, this is King David is laying on his deathbed here. And he just got through the, you know, Adonijah's trying to rebel and, and, and claim the throne. And then there's Solomon who gets named. And Solomon comes to pay homage to him. And he, he you know, there, this is his commandment. Keep the charge of the Lord your God. There's a summons here to duty. And a duty in faith to God. And isn't this the key to every key to every true leader? A, a leader who's not leading his people towards God is leading his people towards himself. What I mean by that is that the very power that they have to lead becomes the summit of their leadership. And the best that a, a, a dictator like that or a leader like that could do is enrich the people behind him with good economic success. But leadership is supposed to be about something much more than economic success. And King David knows it. And look at the heights to which he points his son Solomon when he says, I'm about to give you the throne of power. And when you have that throne, it's to be an act of service to, of the Most High God that he will be able to bring blessings to the people through your obedience to him. In other words, David's opening the perspectives of that leadership, opening the ceilings of the leadership, the dimensions of Solomon's leadership, to actually say, my son, your rule over this people, your governance of this people, is actually a gift from God to the people of stability, of eternal life, of knowledge, of light. And what if we were to all look at the various thrones that we sit upon, from the teacher in the classroom to the director of a staff to the president of a university? Or we take a look at all those and to say, my job here is actually to lead you towards God. We would be augmenting the value of our position much more than diminishing it. Religion does not diminish anything. Religion augments and increases everything. And the wise leader who leads with that perspective of the fact that his impact or her impact ends with the fruitfulness of the kingdom of heaven is a leader this world needs so desperately that God sent his only begotten son to raise them up. He sent his only begotten son for you. And therefore, the charge of David goes to you and to me in the same way. Keep the charge of the Lord your God and be faithful to his commandments. Because the people need this more than anything else. Father Nathan has founded the St. John Institute, the MBA program that develops students into the leaders of tomorrow by giving them a missionary's heart and an entrepreneur's mind. Visit our website at stjohninstitute.org. Dare great things for Christ. You know, in looking through all that David leaves behind here, you know, to Solomon, he, in 1 Kings chapter 2, we're struck by the, the, the beauty 
of this act of the king passing on his care to, of his people to his son. You, you know, and and the, the attachment that David had both to his God who gave him that charge, but also to the people over whom he was ruling. And the desire that David had to see his son carry on this legacy. It was something that he fought for, this throne, that one day he would no longer inhabit, but that he fought for, preserved against Absalom and his attack, against the attacks of all the foreign foes. That's the second group, the Philistines, the famous Philistines, you know, which is kind of go through the Old Testament, kind of like, you know, the, the, the bad guys, the eternal bad guys. And, and, then, and then against Adonijah, who tried to usurp it again, two of his own sons. And all the intrigue that went, he, he preserved that throne because he knew that his days would one day come to an end, but that his throne would last forever. And it was a throne that would one day be given to the Messiah, Jesus Christ, who is the son of David. Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Right? It's a, that, that in the scene in the, on Palm Sunday when our Lord comes into Jerusalem riding on a donkey, guess where that's from? That's of course David who rode out of Jerusalem riding on a donkey. The, 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 those who ride there on the, on the colt of an ass, that, that whole imagery is a kingly imagery of the kings of Israel, and Jesus assumes that because what David established through God and what God established through David was a gift of governance to, over his people. And I think it's remarkable to see how closely David bonded with that. He didn't say that his act of governance was somehow extrinsic to his sanctification or somehow something that didn't directly impact who he was. No, as he's on his deathbed, that's what he hands on to Solomon. His gift to Solomon, in other words, is the culmination of all that he worked for. And he had the blessing to be able to receive it. I know many farmers who struggle with that. They, they fought so hard, they built up the farm they received from their dad, and they turned and they tried to pass it on to one of their children, and the children don't want to farm. And they're left with like, well, what do we do? And that's also a very noble thing. But at the same time, it, it, the fact their own suffering of not being able to pass on the throne only proves the point. And that point is that every single one of us has a legacy to leave. And if we were to honor our life's legacy with more attention and more devotion it would actually motivate us to dare greater things during the course of our life and to fight more arduously for the dignity and the, the honor that goes with who we are. I think, in other words, my friends, that David reminds us we think far too little of ourselves and of our lives' achievements. Some of you might look at your lives and say, well, I haven't achieved much. I mean, I've just been this or that. I've only achieved this or that, you know, et cetera. I'm not saying what you achieve on the outside, and even that's already amazing, you know. I mean, it's like if you really start trying to say who is it that achieves according to the standards that you put forth in your own mind, there's not many human beings walking the earth, <laughs> right? And I just, I, I contest that. I think that actually, though, there's quite a bit of achievement in every single one of your lives. 
the achievement of a first house, the achievement of a car, the achievement of raising children. This is already amazing things. But if even so, even if you were to say, my legacy is not that great in the eyes of this earth, I want you to think about the legacy of the Spirit. Legacy of the Spirit is that inspiration that your life leaves behind. And, and it's not necessarily a forced thing. You can't really force inspiration. But I know as a priest from accompanying so many families who've gone through death, that when I ask people who their heroes are, it's rare that they list for me that their hero is some sort of sports figure or political figure. When I ask people who their heroes are, it almost always comes down to the same thing every time. My dad, my mom, my grandpa, my uncle my brother, my son. Right? People that we look up to aren't people that have success on the outside. And we, we can fall into that trap and we can think that because we have this or that car, this or that type of purse, that we're somehow or other greater than anyone else. And we know that that's false. If your dignity is measured by the purse that you carry, then you can buy your dignity at a store. And that's a cheap kind of dignity, my friend. There's something much greater than the type of purse that you carry. And that's the way that you carry it. And the person that you are on the inside. And I want to assure you of something. When you invest, as God says, it's in, in God's word, it's in St. Paul. He who sows in the seedbed of the spirit will reap an eternal reward. And he who sows in the seedbed of the flesh will reap corruption. This is why I want to say that all that you can invest in your character, in your virtue, in your heart, in your generosity, in your kindness, to really work on that spiritual aspect of who you are, because that's what gets passed down most effectively to the people who are underneath you, to your children, to the people that are around you. Success on the outside inspires people to strive for external things. Success on the inside, character and identity, inspires people to dare great things themselves wherever they are and the great things of the heart. Christ came to inspire us. Even though he was poor on the outside, he obeyed his God and left a legacy of the spirit that he wants us to continue May we do the same and live lives of integrity and honor that we pass on to those who follow us. Dare great things for Christ. Share your feedback with Father Nathan. Send us an email at info at stjohninstitute.org. That's info at stjohninstitute.org. And don't forget to subscribe to premium video content to form, unite, and inspire you at Eagle Eye Pro on our website, eagleeyeministries.org. That's eagleeyeministries.org.